Hello everyone, Kathleen here. Thanks for joining Rachel and I today for an episode that's really special to me. We're a veteran-owned company and so I'm always excited when we get to share helpful job search tips with our veteran community. And it's Veterans Day this week, so we thought we'd take an opportunity to reflect on some of the advice our guests have shared with veterans and transitioning military personnel on our podcast. That's right. We've searched through our catalog of episodes and scoured the transcript vaults with a fine-tooth comb to pull out some of our favorite military transition advice. So if you're a veteran or preparing to transition out of the military, we got you covered. I think a great clip to start with comes from our episode with Daryl Epley over at Jacobs. This is great information for veterans who plan to enter government contracting. Roll that clip, maestro. I think another good piece of information for those coming out of the military is going back to understanding contracting. You know, who's the prime? How many years are left on this contract? Because, you know, most contracts are around five years. Everybody knows government contracting can be tricky to navigate, but the prime of the contract means you're the owner of that contract. You're the uh, lead company that went after that contract. Uh, depending on the size of the contract, you'll have multiple subs on there. So that just really means you're the owner of that contract. And, uh, you know, it's on that company to be able to fill and staff those positions, whether the subs can completely fill them or not. It's on the prime to, to have those contracts uh, and be able to fill those positions. And there's nothing wrong with being a sub on a contract. There's nothing wrong with being a prime. We're all doing, you know, great work up here for national security. It's just having that understanding and knowledge about contracting. So you can expect your expectations to be set. You know, hey, OK, in a couple of years, I need to start looking for other work because this contract's in it. Great insights there. Understanding the cleared landscape is really important, so don't be afraid to ask questions that will help you make the best decision for your civilian career. Rachel, what's the first clip you want to share with our listeners? Man, always making me think. Well, I think in addition to understanding the cleared environment, I think our listeners really need to think about some of the differences they can expect when coming out of the military. Kitty Maves with Geologics did a great job of touching on some of those in her episode. Let's listen back. I, I come from a family of military, and so I, I do appreciate your service and understand there is a little bit of change because it's a culture change, right? You're coming from, you know, very well-documented policies, processes, technical orders to maybe not so documented policies, processes, and technical orders. So there's that change. And then there's a difference, I think, and how you lead, right? When you lead in a corporate environment, you're going to, it's the opposite of the military. You're going to lead down and you're going to delegate up. When you're in the military, you lead, you know, it's the opposite, right? So there's a couple things that are different in regards to culture there that you'll have to get used to. The other part, I think, is just understanding how your skill set and your title is similar to the roles that you're interested in. And, And here's my best example. Um, for a long time, I was looking for air traffic controllers for operations. You would think that's a pretty easy air traffic controller, right? Well, the Navy calls them operations specialists. I can't tell you how many managers didn't think to themselves that that person's qualified. And I'm like, well, the title in the military, you know, cyber transport, who would think that's a networker? So, so sometimes those titles don't always go with the role that you're applying to and how to understand how to articulate that in a way that that HR staff that might never have worked in the military are going to be able to understand. And that's the harder part, I think, coming even within 
similar branches. You know, sometimes each branch doesn't recognize the title. At the end there, Kitty mentioned the confusion that can happen with job titles. A civilian recruiter may not know what a military job title translates to in the corporate world. But unfortunately, that's not the only language barrier you might encounter. Rachel? It's true. You've probably been told to be careful using a lot of military lingo in your job search. I can tell you from experience, recruiters don't always know how to translate that military jargon on a resume, nor do they always have the time to look it up and see what it really means. That reminds me of the story that Taryn Lazroff at Nobla shared with us. She explained a time when the phrase, in theater, caused her a little bit of embarrassment with a military candidate. It's a fun story with a really great lesson learned. Oh, I remember that one. Let's listen back. I, I have never, um, I have never served myself. I, my father served, but that was a while ago. And, and um, I started out in this world kind of not understanding that the military had their completely own lingo and language. And so um, at the time, I was recruiting mostly Oconus individuals, again, Oconus, a word that I had to learn what that meant. And an individual was referred to me very early on. And my manager said to me, came up to me and said, Taryn, John is interested in joining the team. He is currently in theater. Go ahead and reach out to him and see if you can get him on board. And I thought to myself, boom, I took theater at Ohio State. I'm going to have something in common with him. I am going to sell this so hard and rock it. And needless to say, humiliating, because that is not what she meant when she said John was in theater. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) Life lesson. I know. It was so embarrassing. So I've had many of those instances, not always so embarrassing, but just learning that you know, when somebody says something to you and it's in a totally different language, even just telling me their job title, even telling me their responsibilities. When I talk to people, um, something that I enjoy because I've learned from being in this industry so long is the difficulties in that transition to the civilian world because of this. And a lot of these individuals don't know any different, right? They just don't know any different. And they don't understand that the people reading their resumes might not have served. And even if they did serve, it may have been in a different branch and they don't understand this language. And what hurts them is that that, you know, recruiters who are very busy, hiring managers who are very busy might just push that to the side and move on to the next one. They're not going to take the time to, you know, research what it means and translate it. So my thing is I, I harp on it, you know, and it's, it depends on what position. If you're looking for an Intel analyst role, a lot of times you can get away with the lingo, but that's not the case, you know, if you're applying elsewhere. And so I, uh, I harp on that a lot. Please try to stay away from the military lingo. There are great services out there that can help you figure out how to translate it. Um, so that was a big lesson learned. I'm so glad Taryn shared the story. It's just a perfect example of how one word like theater can have a completely different meaning for those in and outside of the military. It can either mean an area that's involved in war operations or uh, putting out a little production of Footloose. (laughs) Yes, a very different meaning for sure. Another topic that comes up a lot when we talk with transitioning military is how soon someone should start applying for jobs. 
Elsa Lee, CEO of Advantage SCI, put a time frame on when you should apply to really be considered for a specific role. And if you haven't heard Elsa episode, it's an exciting one. We talked about James Bond type openings and multiple terrorist attacks that Elsa narrowly missed. It was really interesting conversation. But for now, let's hear about the time frame that Elsa wants you to think about before you start applying for jobs. Sometimes transitioning military will say, how far out can I send you my resume? For us, we really need, if, if the military um, background is going to be a fit for some of these positions, we really need those resumes or we need them to be looking and applying um, within three months of, of being available, right? Because it's going to give us enough time to get those um, packets submitted or give them enough time to like retire. And it, it aligns with the actual timeline when the person is required at, at the location. Short, sweet, and to the point. About three months out, folks. And don't let that stop you from networking and talking to employers earlier than that. They just typically won't be able to consider you for a specific position until you're close to that three-month mark or less. If you want to get some on-the-job experience sooner, before you even separate from the service, the DOD SkillBridge program is a great opportunity to consider. My good friend Kirsten Renner from Accenture Federal Services joined us on our first episode and shared some information about SkillBridge. Let's take a listen. Oh my gosh, I can't say enough good things about SkillBridge. What a great, great, great program. The implementation of that program that I'm familiar with that we did for the last several years at Novetta, Legacy Novetta, where we would put people into what felt like, um, what was called a fellowship, but it's like an apprenticeship or an internship uh, where they're they're really, you know, sitting in with um, project teams, not doing the actual work, but like learning hands-on. And I, I think of, I think of when my son was in basic training and then actually ever since he was at Fort Bragg, he spent half his time in the field, right? That's, that's the best learning. So for everything he learned in basic training was nothing compared to what he learned while he was in the field, right? And being in a fellowship is is like it's in the field learning, right? You're really there. You're really at the desk. You're really in front of the terminal. You're really in front of the mission. You're really applying all the things that you would learn in a classroom as well. Now, there is a whole military recruiting team at Accenture Federal Services, and they bring in cohorts into classroom settings, and they teach them whole new skills, which is really awesome too. So whichever of those two types of um, programs that would interest anybody right now currently serving, I would encourage them to, to consider both of those. It really is a fabulous program, and we've been happy to hear from many of our podcast guests that their companies are involved. I don't think anything can beat that hands-on experience. That actually ties into the advice that our next clip features with Mike from Axiologic Solutions. Mike shared the importance of getting out there and interviewing. Say yes to the interview and get the practice. Let's hear how Mike put it. Going back to the transitioning military folks, how often is it that they've actually interviewed for a job? <laughs> it's not very common within their space that they've been through an interview and know what that's like and have done those kind of things, especially if they transitioned, you know, high school, college directly into military, they may have not had the opportunity to 
do that. So for um, folks, candidates, people looking for jobs, interview all the time. Apply to the job, go on the interview, whether it's virtual, whether it's not, the level of anxiety you have going into it the first two or three times is going to be really, really high. So signing up for a podcast, right? <laughs> kind of coming into this whole thing. I was like, ah, I've never done this before. This is very kind of nerve wracking. I'm excited, but I'm not really sure how this is going to play out. So now the next time I get asked to a podcast, maybe there'll be a next time. I have no idea. I won't be as nervous, right? Because I'll know what this process looks like. That's kind of how you have to treat interviews. So from a candidate perspective, go on all the interviews. If it's not the perfect job, but you're, you know, being considered for it or a recruiter reached out to you or something along those lines. If it's not a complete waste of your time, go on the interview, have the conversation, learn what your shortfalls are and get comfortable being uncomfortable in that situation. Because when the dream job rolls around and you go into that interview, man, it's going to be so much easier to go into that interview knowing how many you've screwed up, (laughs) how many you've done well and having that comfort level on I'm not so intimidated by the interview because I know what I'm doing here. I couldn't agree with that more. They say practice makes perfect for a reason. What else can we share, Rachel? I remember Joshua Yule with LSYNC had a lot to say about military transition as a veteran himself. He was passionate about having a plan. Here's what Joshua said when we asked him about some of his top tips for service members. Stay in. Don't get out. Um, No. no, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, th- I think I got a few and I, I, I think, I think you've got to have a plan. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about transition overall. I'm not talking about the folks that are retiring at 20, 25, 30 years. I'm, I'm talking about the young airman, sailor, Marine that is getting out after four, after six, after eight, somebody that is just disillusioned with the whole system after 12. Um, and even those guys that are retiring have a plan. What do you want to do? Cause I'm going to tell you now, like when I got out, I, I'm finding myself in HR, but I think it took a minute. I didn't have a plan because I just thought it was going to happen organically, right? Because I'm the man, right? I thought for whatever reason, I was going to step out of a uniform and step into something that was just phenomenal where I could continue to knife hand people and be like, you do this, you do this, you do that, right? None of that happened. What I found happened was I wasn't ready. And then I got scared a little bit. And then I was like, oh, crap, let me figure out how to overcome this. And I, th- I think that's what the military teaches us, right? Adapt over- Marines love it, right? Adapt, overcome, and just push through. Have a plan. Be ready. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do when you come out? Have a plan. And, and, and have fun doing – have fun through that transition because it's yours. It, it, you have to own the process. You have to understand what it is to, to, to write a resume – to know what a resume is supposed to look like, to take advice, to network, to put yourself in a position that is right for you. And being realistic about the expectation that you have is key because if you're not, you're about to get hit with a big sack right in the face. I think we have time for just one more clip. I want to listen back to a conversation you had with Tony Gilbert, who is Program Manager of Military and Veteran Recruitment with Raytheon Missiles and Defense. Oh, yeah. Tony is the guy to talk to about opportunities for transitioning military across all of Raytheon's divisions. Let's hear some of what he shared with us on his episode. 
So they hired me last year to create a military program for Raytheon missiles and defense. But in the overarching scheme of things, I was hired to really help create it across the enterprise of Raytheon. So within my first year here, we've got our Intel and Space Division now as a military relations team. Collins Aerospace now has a military relations team. And Pratt and Whitney has taken their diversity lead and put him part-time doing military relations. So that's the first thing. Each of our business units have a dedicated military hiring team. So what does that mean? If someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says, hey, Tony, I'm interested in Raytheon, you know, we're going to get them screened and see if they're a fit for our company. And here's the thing. Even if they're not a fit, we're still going to give them resources. We're going to give them resources on how to tailor their resume, how to ace an interview, how to effectively search a job site to find roles. So we offer the same level of assistance to the highest cleared individual, to the guy or girl right out of high school, did four years and got out. We, we provide that to everyone. So uh, we really provide like red carpet treatment for any veteran, military spouse, or transitioning service member. When they do decide that, hey, I found some jobs that I'm a fit for, we'll take their resume and their screening and we'll put them right in the recruiter and hiring manager's front door and say, hey, this veteran applied for your role. And we pr- interview about 90% of all veterans that my military relations team sends to managers. Um, and about half of those get hired. You heard it here, folks. About half of those get hired. Those are some really good odds. Great odds to take advantage of, for sure. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this special episode. We hope it was helpful and that you'll share it with your veteran friends. We look forward to bringing you more advice from cleared employers and more Greatest Hits episodes in the future. See you next time. Thank you for your service, veterans, and happy Veterans Day. Bye-bye, friends. Bye-bye.